everyone, this is Ali Amagasu welcoming you to the latest episode of Cloud Unfiltered. Today's guest is Hank Preston. He is a net DevOps evangelist at Cisco Systems. Welcome, Hank. So pleased to talk to you. Yeah, thanks, Ali. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for joining us. It's another rainy day where I am. I think you're in a different time zone and probably experiencing different weather. Yeah, it's uh, it's not raining. Uh, we don't have snow on the ground, but we are cold enough to have snow on the ground, and we're hoping that that changes pretty soon as well. So, <laughs> hey, um, it, as you probably know if you listen to the show, we always want to know how you got into tech. Is there any interesting uh, detail about how you did? Yeah, kind of. So I'm actually so I when I got out of high school and went to college, one of the things that I focused my studies on was psychology and technical theater. So I actually came out of college as a trained um, and, and went right into work in technical theater. So doing stage design, lighting design, professional Broadway shows, concerts, things like that. And so if you think about that type of a job, that's a night job, right? So my schedule was very much shifted at the end of the day and I needed something to kill time in the mornings. And so I started taking just community college classes on technology. So just whatever happened to fit in the morning. So web design, networking, sysadmin stuff. I, I really would do just about anything. And then after doing that for a couple of years, um, one of the professors said, why, why aren't you going like for this for real? And he suggested I go and, and try to actually get a degree or a master's program because I already had like undergrad degrees. And so I did the same thing with no plan to switch careers. I just started taking master's level classes at the college instead. And before long, figured out it was pretty interesting. And then the fact that the hours in tech are better than the hours in theater and the pay was significantly better. I shifted over eventually and, and moved into full time technology teach um, like IT work and kind of went into the the. Original space was the partner space, so I did like service tickets and professional services and implementations kind of across the board from uh, I would do coding one day and then do an exchange server installation the next day and then stand up a, a network with a bunch of VPNs the one after that. And then eventually focused in my career more and more kind of in the networking space and, and went in that direction and, it, and eventually brought me here and found me into Cisco. How long have you been with Cisco? Uh, I'm coming up on eight, eight-ish years, somewhere in there. I'd have to go pull the calendar to get for sure, but somewhere in the seven to eight-year range. And, and I got to ask about the title, Net DevOps Evangelist. What on earth does that mean? Um, I assume that hasn't been your title the entire time. What did you start as and how did you become a Net DevOps Evangelist? Yeah, that's a good question. So I came into Cisco originally as a systems engineer, so in our pre-sale or the, the, our sales organization working with customers in the enterprise space in the Midwest here in the US. And so I would go in and work with our customers to understand kind of all of the Cisco technologies, figure out how they fit into their problems. And I did that for about three years at Cisco um, with, a, with a focus in kind of the data center space. And so after about three years of doing the, the SD role, I got an opportunity to focus just in the data center space as a solutions architect. So I did that for a bit, and then right around that same time is when cloud and automation and all of those pieces became more and more kind of relevant to our customers in the industry. And so I, I started to further focus kind of into data center automation and then cloud as we went through. And so I did that for about the first seven years at Cisco, was kind of in the as an SE role, focused with our customers on that area. And then after doing that for so long, um, I decided I wanted a bit of a change. 
And I poked my head up and I saw DevNet was doing some really exciting things around that same automation and programmability space with what Cisco was doing. And so I started talking with some of the folks that were over there and they had an opening and an interest to kind of focus in on network programmability, network automation, help our customers that are the traditional kind of CCIEs and CCNPs figure out this transition to programmability, learn about APIs, learn about uh, programming skills and Python and all of these pieces. And I thought that sounded pretty interesting. So I, I signed up to do that and joined DevNet in, um, I think it was November of 2016, and uh, with a solid focus on network programmability. And then as we dove deeper into it, kind of what I what we started to see, and I'm still seeing, is this, this merging and this emergence of DevOps practices from the software development space. So things like, how do we do CICD and how do we build kind of agile mechanisms and infrastructure as code that's really interesting in the software space becoming more relevant and interesting to the infrastructure people and networking folks specifically. And so Net DevOps to me is kind of this, this merger of DevOps best practices and culture and, and technology and, and just how we, they go about things in the DevOps world, but applied to the networking space. And because it's not a direct lift, I can't take the way that we build software applications and map it directly into how we build and design networks, I'm firmly in the belief that at least in the short term, we probably need a different term. And that's where net DevOps for me came in. I'm not gonna say I invented it. There were lots of terms that kind of fit into this area, but it's the one that I like the most. And so I, I titled myself the net DevOps evangelist to go out there and kind of continue in this network programmability journey, but taking it beyond just, hey, I wanna automate something that I used to do by hand. Now, what does it really mean to change the culture, change the approach, really adopt new strategies around it? And that's why I talk about network programmability and net DevOps is being related, but definitely different things. So before, before I ask the questions, ask questions ooh, ooh, I hear it. I hear it. Oh, no. Before I start asking you questions about DevNet, um, mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you about your evangelism. Uh, evangelist, is, you covered the net DevOps part of your title, but not the evangelist part. That suggests either a lot of travel or a lot of time on uh, social media, or, or what is the evangelizing? How does that take place? Yeah, no, that's a good point. And it's an interesting title. And one that when I first saw that like that was an actual title, I was like, really? We, we call people in technology evangelists. And then I, I looked around and it really does. And, and for me, it's I, I explain my job that I get to learn about technology and then get other people really excited about what's possible. And so there are lots of things that fit into the evangelism job. I'm, I'm fairly active on social media. So it's the, the LinkedIn and the Twitters and kind of letting people know, keeping up with the community. Um, I go and I do travel quite a bit to different events, both Cisco sponsored events as well as third party events. So things for like the Linux Foundation, Open Networking Summit, Cloud Native work to either just participate and learn what's going on, but also space to the audience. And then we'd lead webinars, I write blog posts, I mean, kind of anything to get the word out and get people excited about what's possible. It sounds like a great job. And the truth is that uh, Nikki Acosta, who used to host this show, mm -hmm. uh, was the cloud evangelista, she called herself, the feminine <laughs> evangelist, I suppose. And uh, she loves her job, man. She, she thought it was great. She was on stage a lot and uh, blogging and, and trying to, you know, help people embrace new cloud technologies. She's now moved on to Cisco security team. So that's why she's uh, no longer in the seat, but uh, she's still with us, thankfully. Yeah, I like the fact that, it, and it's one of those things 
I was shocked. I didn't know the job existed, which is kind of sad because I've been in technology for so long. And to know that there's actually a role that was all about just kind of having fun with technology, getting people to know what's available and just talking about cool stuff. I was like, that's an awesome job. Like, how do I get signed up for that? And why didn't I know that it existed for the first 12 years of my career? Right. Um, so, so now that I know what a net DevOps evangelist is, Tell me how that, um, how your work fits in with DevNet. Uh, I, DevNet's obviously big if you're at Cisco. It didn't used to be big. Just a few years ago, there wasn't any DevNet. And now it's exploding, it feels like, when I go to Cisco Live. The DevNet area is hopping. It's bigger with each show. Uh, there's lines of people waiting to get in. And I am just going, what is going on in there? What? Who wants, I mean, I get de the dev part, right? It's for developers. but. What kind of developers is it for, and what? Why are they so interested in being in there? What's happening in DevNet? Yeah, it's where all the fun happens. Is really where it comes down at Cisco Live. But it, your your point's valid. I mean, four years ago, DevNet didn't exist. It's a fairly new organization inside of Cisco, and it was it was kind of built out of several different developer programs that Cisco had. So we had the Cisco Developer Network. We had um, partnerships for for some of the ISVs and driver vendors that wrote like wireless drivers to work with Cisco's access points. And so we had little pockets of developer programs, but nothing that was like specific for all Cisco and kind of um, at the standard for a modern developer program from a vendor. And so that was the kind of the genesis of DevNet. And the, a group of founders from different places kind of put a proposal together in front of the, the Cisco senior leadership and said, hey, we think we need to be developer relevant. We want to be a software company. We, we have to really go after the strong. And so that's where DevNet came from. And then uh, I think it was about a year after DevNet really started going, um, Cisco Live in San Francisco was was coming up and this was, I don't know which year, but you can go and check that out if you're interested in exactly which year it was. But there was this idea, I think it was just a month or so before Cisco Live happened and, there, and the folks in DevNet at the time and I wasn't there, said let's try to do something at Cisco Live for developers, right? So let's do a DevNet zone. And we had no idea what it was going to be, but we said, okay, maybe some, some demos about APIs, Maybe we put together some learning labs so people can get some hands-on with these. And we'll just see what happens. And it's one of the slides that continues to be used by our leadership was the, an overhead view of the DevNet zone at that first one. And it is wall-to-wall -wall people. You could barely walk through it. It was so popular. And it was clear that the Cisco audience, our customers and our partners, were demanding. They were ready to understand programmability, to understand the APIs that are available. And to your point, it's grown ever since then. We're now a, a kind of a cornerstone part of every Cisco Live, all four of them that happen every year. We just got back from Melbourne. We're already planning for Orlando, and it will be the biggest uh, DevNet zone yet. Um, and we continue to innovate with new ideas that go on in the DevNet zone. And I joke that it's where the fun happens, but our sessions in the DevNet zone, our demos, are different than what you may see in some of the other technical sessions or some of the, the, the demos you'll see in the world of solutions. We try to be very hands-on. We try to be interactive with the work that we do. We leave short, um, intense technical sessions where you actually sit down and get to code and explore the APIs that are there. And we're given freedom to do kind of new and interesting ideas to test things out. Uh, one of the, the fun things I did was uh, last year in Cisco Live uh, in Vegas, we had this idea of let's take the escape room idea that's kind of all over the place where there's this idea you walk in with a group of friends and you're challenged with like logic puzzles to figure out how to unlock doors and, and which criminal was the one that actually like turned on you. And I said, can we do the same thing, but from a programmability perspective? And so we were given really quickly the go ahead to kind of come up with an idea. And so we brought to Cisco Live an escape room.
where people got presented with a backstory. They had to go into this room and, and figure out how to, using API calls and Python scripting, and work their way through network programmability and IoT and collaboration to unlock doors and find the code and a combination for a save and eventually escape the room to go through. And, and all along the way, they had to leverage different programmability topics and different things that we were highlighting and giving education on in other areas of DevNet Zone. And it was a ton of fun. We had a ton of people come through. We gave out big prizes. There was a competition each day to see who could do it the fastest. Um, and so it's things like that, that that bring people back. It's fun. It's, it's new pieces. It's a chance to kind of engage really kind of uh, close and one-on-one -on -one with different experts in Cisco. That's kind of what DevNet Zone is. Does it cater mostly to beginners or to the really experienced kind of Cisco administrator? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. And it's, it's, it's actually a bit of a complex answer. So from a DevNet perspective, our focus is not on teaching um, how to configure BGP for your routing protocol. Our focus is on how to use the APIs and the programmability skills that are there, which means when we first started, and we actually still have this, is we have a lot of fairly inter or beginner level, like introductory level uh, programming classes. So some of our most popular classes is Coding 101 and the 100 series, where people can learn the basics of writing Python or APIs 101 and getting started with Git. And so I, whenever I talk about one of our sessions, there's, there's almost two sides to it. It's what's the programming level of, um, of complexity, right? So we've got introductory, intermediate, advanced programming skills. And then we're also tackling different types of technical challenges. So we could have a very inter or beginner level programming class, but we may be talking about a complex networking topic or a complex collaboration piece. So there's, it's a bit of both that goes in. Now, over the last couple of years, we've actually started to see lots of people come back year after year, and they're getting, our audience is getting more and more knowledgeable and advanced on their own side. So we're being asked to deliver more and more advanced content. And so we're trying to, we're, we're building on to our Coding 101 to offer 200 and 3,000 series classes on more advanced topics. And that's one of the things that we're trying to do this year is to build up on the foundation of good basic information we have so that we can help our audience and help our customers and partners move up to some of these more advanced programming, but also advanced networking topics and collab and, and all of the other areas. So if I'm at the next Cisco Live, not me personally, but if I'm a developer or I'm, I'm, I'm a guest other than a Cisco employee at the next Cisco Live, and I'm thinking about going in and popping into the DevNet zone, um, what kind of person do you think is going to get the most out of it? And what, who do you think is going to be disappointed? Like, say I'm, a, say I'm like a, a, a leader within the organization. I'm a director, an IT director. Am I going to get anything out of it in there? Um, so it, it depends on what, where you head and what sessions you're after and the, and the type of IT leader you are. Now, our sessions are intended to be hands-on and practical as they go through. And so if even as an IT leader, you're interested in kind of like, what is, what is this Python thing? And, and what does it actually mean to go automate? And how is this better? And you want to dive into that, you'll probably be happy and get some success. Um, if you're there to try to understand like the high level um, value props of network or programmability, where do those fit in? We have some of those sessions as well. And they take place. We have a big theater area where we go through kind of industry um, changing topics. We talk about kind of the culture shifts that go through. Um, one of my one of my most popular sessions in DevNet Zone at Cisco Live is a session I call "How to Be a Network Engineer in a Programmable Age," which talks about the skill shifting that we have to do in this space. 
And so that's the type of sessions that an IT leader, an executive, right, understanding how, what, what do they need to help their staff do. And I'm actually coming out this year with kind of the, the part two of that. So in how to be a network engineer, I talk about the changes that individual engineers have to do. This year, I'm launching a dude, you put DevOps in your network session, which is all about the changes that the enterprise has to do. Like, what are the cultural shifts that have to go in? And so we've kind of got material for all over the place in that space, depending on what you're after. Um, we are part of Cisco Live, so all of our sessions are listed along with the rest of the Cisco Live sessions so that you can see what's available. You can search by tech, um, level of content, topics that are going on, and, and understand where they're at, and add them to your schedule. So I think that there's probably a bit of something for everybody. So everybody's welcome. They shouldn't be in intimidated by the name or by the, the implication that there's a lot of you know software development going on in there. No, absolutely not. Everything we do, we're, we're super open. And the vast majority of our audience, particularly Cisco Live, are traditional network engineers. We are getting more and more software developers that are traditional that are starting to bring in infrastructure pieces or they're trying to figure out how do they get health and value out of the stuff that's going through. But we have we, we have tons of material for folks that may not have that developer background and are just looking to figure out how to get started or what the what the real purpose is. Okay, that's a that's a great point that it's it's largely network engineers who are trying to figure out this development end of the new networking world, um, rather than it's just for developers. Absolutely. Awesome. So you're talking us us talking about uh, the Cisco Live events and what goes on with DevNet there kind of begs the question. What is DevNet when we're not at a Cisco Live? <laughs> that is a, a really good point. So DevNet itself is Cisco's developer program. And so the place to get all of the information, kind of the landing zone, is developer.cisco.com. And so that is the DevNet website landing page that goes through. And so what you can find from DevNet kind of up online 24-7, resources that are available all the time, are documentation about our platforms and APIs, uh, sample code, API guides, um, and then if you want to get hands-on with those, we've got lots of uh, material and, and things that you can go through there. One of the services that DevNet offers is called DevNet Sandbox. And these are 24 by 7, 365 days a year, open access to development environments built on Cisco as well as open source and, and some other of our partner platforms. And so if you want to experiment with um, call manager interaction or you want to experiment with data center and cloud, uh, Kubernetes stack, but you don't have it in your own lab or you don't have the time to set it up, well, you can go in and you can reserve or access one of our always on sandboxes and get direct access right away on your time uh, completely free. There's no charge for any of the resources up on DevNet. And so you can dive in and get hands on with with UCS and ACI and DNA Center and Spark and Meraki, all of that's available. We also have learning labs. So say you wanna get access to it, but you don't even know where to start. Well, our learning lab catalog has hundreds of self-guided labs that will walk you through. How do you connect and use an API? How do you build a chat bot that you wanna go through? Uh, do you wanna automate and program your network and you're interested in how some particular tool works? We have a huge portfolio of learning labs that are constantly updated and, and are again available 24 seven, completely free. And many of them will leverage our sandboxes. So you don't even need anything to get started on, on all of those pieces. And that's, that's DevNet outside of the events uh, as a web presence, but we're also active with webinars and community events, um, blog posting, we're, we're all very active up on social media, just getting the word out about what Cisco's doing in this development and kind of as a platform space for folks that want to build on top of Cisco. Wow, that sounds so cool, the the, the sandboxes in particular. Like if, mm -hmm. if you don't have this gear, you can't afford to set this gear up or 
to set up a test version of this gear, you can come test it on our gear. That is that is really cool. Absolutely, yeah. We we and we're we're putting them on all the time. I'm actually in the process right now of building a new sandbox, which will be uh, an ACI and Kubernetes sandbox, showing how you can take your ACI policy and control your microservice segmentation and network policies to make sure that you're meeting all of those areas. And that'll be a brand new sandbox that we're building and will end up in the catalog and people can grab and reserve whenever they want. What's the most popular sandbox that's always backed up and has a line of people waiting to get into it? You know what? I, I, so I, I don't know for sure because um, I'd have to go check with our sandbox team, but the one that I know always has a backup or the one of the very highly um, heavily used one are actually our uh, contact center and collaboration sandboxes which I don't deal with directly myself, but it's actually one of the, the strongest parts of the DevNet and the developer ecosystem area are all of the integrations that people do in the collaboration space. So every contact center that goes out involves some level of intera uh, interoperability or connecting to different systems. And so our contact center systems and our collaboration uh, sandboxes are all hugely po um, popular because to spin those systems up on your own in your own lab, well, you need a lot of compute, you need resources, you need phones and all these areas. And if you're just a developer wanting to test something out, we can go to our sandbox and reserve one up. And in just a matter of minutes, you can have an entire contact center, an entire call manager system set up with full access. And you can test your code out. You can write something, experiment. And then when you're done, just it goes away and you don't have to worry about it. That's pretty wild. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. I thought it was more of like a interesting <laughs> that I work for Cisco. But uh, I thought that really DevNet, I did not realize you had access to those resources. I was envisioning much more of a kind of like a developer chat space, you know, discussion boards where you share problems and solve problems that way. Is there such a, is that part of it as well? It is, absolutely. So we've got, so there's, there's an entire community and support part of the DevNet mission, right? So our developers are out there. We want to give them the resources. But if they have questions or struggle, we want to make sure we can help them. And so we've got lots of different channels that we interact with folks. Um, a very active channel is we've got a couple of Spark rooms that anybody can join and just ask questions from our in-house De DevNet experts, as well as the other community of developers that work with Cisco technology. And so if you go in and you post a question, you're just as likely to get an answer from some other customer or partner or developer from another part of the world that's had the same challenge as it might be from some of our direct support and developer evangelist engineers that go through. So we've got a Spark room. We've got uh, forums that you can post that tie back to specific technologies. So if you're working on a technology and you're having an issue, you can post a question in a forum, and then we monitor them. But it's because they're just open forums, sometimes, again, customers and other developers can answer questions. We can tie you back to BU resources needed. And we also actually offer full-on developer support. If you're building an application or an integration and you need help trying to figure out how to debug some code or really understand the APIs, and it's out of scope of what we would normally just do in kind of a chat room or a forum, you can open a developer support ticket, which you would then have one of our support engineers directly assigned, just like any other support ticket. And we would work through that with you. We can check out code. We can help you go through. If we do see that there maybe there's actually a technology problem with that, we can loop in BU resources or TAC when it's appropriate as it goes through. So our support engineers are focused very much on the programmability side. And it's one of the areas that if you're working with a traditional Cisco product and its APIs, TAC doesn't always kind of have the skill set or the folks that support those, that part of it. DevNet provides the developer support when, when it uh, gets outside the scope of what TAC would typically offer. Wow. That's awesome. That's really awesome. What a cool group to work for. 
Um, as I'm thinking about this, you talked about like collab being an area that has a busy sandbox. You've uh, touched on networking. Do we, does DevNet cover the entire Cisco portfolio or are there are parts of it that it hasn't gotten to yet? So our mission is to be the one and only developer portfolio for Cisco, but Cisco is massive with, with lots of different individual technology groups and products that are out there. And so as much as we would love to say that we, we cover everything, there are pockets of technologies that we just haven't gotten to yet. Some of the technologies haven't been onboarded. Some of them, some of our technologies don't have like official APIs or an active developer ecosystem. So we wouldn't cover those. And then we are very active with acquisitions. So as we acquire products and acquire companies, sometimes they already have an existing developer experience and portal. And the plan is over time to kind of merge that in, bring it as part of the DevNet area. But it does take some time to kind of go through all of those resources. So I would say at this point, the if I threw a statistic out that's completely just based on grabbing it out of the air, I'd say maybe 75 to 80% of the Cisco technology, we probably have a good solid covering of. And then there's those ones that we either haven't gotten to yet, or they don't um, have a developer experience uh, at this point. So it wouldn't make sense for them to show up on DevNet. So somewhere in there. Okay. So the intention is to get to all of them eventually, it just, I know I just was part of the Cisco Container Platform launch. Um, I don't know if you guys are covering that yet. I've, I've heard discussion about it uh, eventually being part of uh, DevNet's sandbox program. So that would be exciting if, if that happens. But uh, yeah, I feel like cloud, you know, cloud is still newish at Cisco. <clears throat> uh, how about cloud? How do you guys feel your cloud coverage is so far with our, with our cloud offerings? Cloud is very good across the pieces that we have in those areas. So we we do and we are working with the Cisco container platform that goes through. And if it's not live already, it should be live soon. So we'll have a sandbox that offers those pieces. We've also been partnered as part of the, the Cisco cloud with Google partnership that's going through that kind of ties into container platform and some of the other areas. So RAID is part of the initial launch of that partnership. We've got a page up on DevNet dedicated to the Google plus Cisco partnership. We've got learning labs and sandboxes that dive into Istio and kind of how that works to bridge this on-prem, off-prem gap. And that's been live since the original launch that went through. Um, I mentioned, I think I mentioned already that I'm actively working on building a new ACI plus Kubernetes so that we get the, the decent segmentation in there. But we've had a basic Kubernetes, just Kubernetes vanilla uh, sandbox available for folks that are interested in just kind of understanding it and getting hands-on and exploring Kubernetes. We've had that available for months and it's gone through a couple of revisions. And so, yeah, we've got a pretty solid coverage across all of those areas. Excellent, it's good to hear because that's that's what this audience is into. Um, you know, you mentioning Kubernetes got me thinking about, uh, you know, obviously it sounds like you in this role, you kind of get to have your hands in everything, which is, which is pretty neat. You get to have a, a wide range of expertise and you're not just heads down on one product day after day after day. Uh, you kind of get to be into a bunch of different programming languages, a bunch of different hardware. And that makes me wonder, uh, what's your view of what's going on right now kind of in the open source community? Is there any project in particular that you think uh, is is really you know standing out as exciting? Um, what do you feel like is, is of interest to you or you, you have a strong opinion on? Yeah, so I get the... I get the chance to, to experiment and, and work with a bunch of different technologies that are out there and, and open source is a huge part of that. Um, one, a couple of the things that's interesting to me is that when I look at open source in the community, are you hearing me okay? Yeah. 
Okay, good. Um, what, one of the things that, that when I look at open source and the different projects that come through and kind of just the, the general kind of excitement that goes through, I, I always find it a bit interesting because at any given point in time, somebody may look at an open source project and say, this is the best thing in the world and it's, it's going to kind of take over the world as it goes through. And six months later, people could have moved on to something completely different. And so for me, open source is always a point in time piece. Um, uh, in the in the area that goes through there, I, I'm excited about what's going on with Kubernetes. I think it's a strong product and goes in, and I'm I'm continuing to dive deeper into it, and I'm I'm encouraged by kind of how fast they develop, how fast they add new features as they go in, and it's, and its wide adoption across lots of areas kind of has it quite encouraging. Um, and I'm curious to see if that is finally the one that wins, or if we're going to have something else or something else pops up. Who knows? Um, I, I like what's going on kind of in the serverless space, and there's um, a project, OpenFAS, which gives like this open capability to do serverless um, functions on different types of platforms, which is kind of exciting. There's a member of my team that's actually been involved with some of the development of that project. So in just a few minutes, you can spin up an OpenFAS, a completely serverless platform on top of Kubernetes or Docker right on your laptop. And that's pretty encouraging as we're trying to like democratize the ability to do these different pieces. Um, I think in the cloud space and in, in kind of the overall development area, as we take some of these topics and we make them easier to use in multiple environments, right? A lot of stuff starts out in AWS. They do a fantastic job. They have a huge catalog of developer resources, but AWS isn't right for every single project, every single area that goes in. So when we see things like OpenFAS come out and provide a foundation for serverless that doesn't require one particular infrastructure that gives you kind of flexibility. That always encourages me about the open source community as it goes in on that space. Um, so I think overall, all those areas are, are really positive to see how it goes in. And I just like the chance to kind of play around with a bunch of different stuff. Are you involved uh, heavily as a contributor in the open source, any open source communities? So I was, so that um, for a while, Cisco uh, was heavily involved in the, the Mantle open source project for a microservice stack. And so I was, I did some work and did some contributions to the Mantle stack on that. And that was actually pre-DevNet time for me when I was still in the field and working as kind of a cloud architect in, in application space. Um, I, I'm not currently act or terribly active in any particular project at this point. Um, I'd love to get back into that at some area. It's just a matter of kind of fitting it all in. Yeah, we had uh, the executive director of the Cloud Native Computing Foundation on uh, last week, Excellent. and boy, he was talking about some really cool projects. I did not realize how many projects, you know, all you ever hear is Kubernetes yeah. that, and, and maybe Prometheus, but there's, there's so much more, and uh, they're exciting projects, like really wild projects with tons of contributors, and uh, just, I, I don't know how you would choose. If you had that skill set, and you're going, where do I dedicate my time? I suppose your job would dictate it to some point, but... Uh, yeah. I think that would be the neatest thing to to be involved in open source, and and I'm I'm really excited about how Cisco's you know jumped in there. You know, uh, we've yeah. got a lot of people working on Kubernetes right now, and Istio, uh, which I realize I don't I don't know if Istio is open open, but I know we have like eighteen or nineteen people contributing full time on Istio. That's cool. It's exciting to see Cisco make this kind of pivot to be more open, be more engaging, kind of dive into these areas. And, and there's still pockets of spots in Cisco that still don't quite fully understand how the open source thing works and goes through. But even those pockets are trying to figure it out. And we're trying to get more aggressive at open sourcing things. Um, a personal pet peeve of mine is when I see something really cool and interesting that happened in a corner of Cisco. And I'm like, well, we want to get this out there. And they're like, well, we don't know how or go through. And, more and more, I see these interesting kind of um, skunk work science projects that solve real problems. 
and then have somebody go through and say, well, let's try to open source this. Let's go through the process and get it out in the community. Um, a recent one we actually just did in the open, um, it's not fully open source just because of some of the, the way that it goes through, but it has been released completely free to the community is Pi ATS, which was originally built as an internal testing framework and tooling for Cisco BUs and developers to work to test out their code and their feature set. And so it's been so it's been heavily used at Cisco for years. And the idea was, well, we think that this would be valuable for customers and folks to use. So um, just a couple, I think it was for Bar Cisco Live Barcelona. So early this year, it went live up and you can now access Pi ATS, completely free, community uh, driven on it. You can take a look at some of the source code for it. There's elements of it that, that have been released kind of as binaries. But you can dive in and you can leverage the exact same testing framework that Cisco's using when we build out and test network platforms for testing your own network frameworks as they go in. And so we're seeing more and more excitement about releasing these types of things out to the community, even if it's not necessarily a commercial product that goes through. We just want to get it out there, have people use it, and help it kind of benefit and add on to the capabilities that they're building in their infrastructure or with their applications or all of these areas. I learned something today I did not know about Pi ATS. Yeah, check it out. It's pretty interesting. There's, it's one of the the, the cooler open source or uh, open um, projects I've seen Cisco release. And because one of the reasons is because it's not brand new. I mean, it's got this huge history behind it. And so when it came out, like it's a fully functioning, you can use it today, get real value out of it today, uh, which is kind of awesome to see that come out kind of already ready to go. <laughs> hey, we're running out of time, Hank. Um, but before I wrap up, I got to ask you, um, I see a glue gun behind you. <laughs> I see um, a bunch of little boxes that suggest that there's some tinkering going on in your spare time. Uh, what is all that about back there? Yeah. You're building your own network gear. Well, you know, I haven't gotten that far yet, but what's behind me is just kind of my hobbies and kits that go through. So several years ago, kind of as uh, the early days of Raspberry Pis and Arduinos and just kind of open hardware and trying to democratize the ability for anybody to play and learn with these things, I got kind of interested in it and probably spent way too much money with different vendors out there. And, and I've built up quite the, the stockpile of different pieces. And I still enjoy tinkering on different areas. I'm actually waiting for a, a delivery to come in today for <laughs> dive into and, and just poke around with things like sensors and motion detectors and trying to connect all of this data that's available out to the cloud and, and build independent home automation or or just work. I've got a young son who's kind of interested in kind of getting into the technology. So showing him how the electronics work and building circuits and going through. So yeah, behind me is a, a pile of tools and, and just a, a whole set of just LED lights and resistors and all of those pieces and wires to just kind of poke around on projects. What's the coolest thing you've built on your own? Probably what we've done is we did um, kind of a, a, an independent remote controlled car. And so we kind of straight from the motors and all the controllers and the wireless piece, we kind of assembled it together that we could drive around and torture our cat was probably the coolest project we did. So I'm sure the cat agrees. Yeah. She was <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. You too. Um, Throw me a few URLs before you leave and, and your Twitter handle if you have it. If people are interested in DevNet, where should they go? Yeah, so the starting place is developer.cisco.com. So developer.cisco.com. That's the, the DevNet landing page that'll take you there. And from there, you can jump off to learninglabs.cisco.com, where our learning labs are. 
devnetsandbox.cisco.com will give you access to all the sandboxes that are out there. Um, also, be sure to check out the blogs that we're doing up on blogs.cisco.com slash developer. And so that's all of the DevNet blogs. And I'm, I'm quite active up there on a bunch of different programmability topics that are there. And then I am active on Twitter. Follow me at hfpreston, hfpreston. Um, and you can kind of, I, I'm, I'm active on all the stuff we're doing in DevNet and I'll occasionally throw out a Chuck Norris joke just to kind of liven up the afternoon. Um, and you can engage. And I love talking with our communities. So feel free if someone's got a question, reach out to me over any of the channels. Um, Twitter's great. Email's great as well. HAPresto at Cisco.com will get you there. And uh, I just love talking with folks about cool stuff that's going on in technology. Awesome. Thank you, Hank. It's totally been a pleasure. And uh, I hope you'll be on the show again in the future and update us as to what's going on in, in DevNet. Anytime at all. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.